Hello everyone and welcome to our Threshold podcast. We are so happy that you have taken time to join us today and we pray that you will be absolutely encouraged by the plethora of messages and encouraging words that we share here in our church. Threshold is a family of believers based in East Riding of Yorkshire in the wonderful city of Hull and our head pastors are Pastor Deborah and Philip Banda. Be blessed. And as usual, I, 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 at the beginning of the month, I, I, I usually kick off a series. And, and, that, and that's what I want to do. Hi, Jody. I want you to relax. I'm just going to talk to you for a brief moment, and then I'm going to go into the Word of God. I, I, I want to kick off a series captioned with the conference theme, Unlimitable. I want by the end of this month for us to really understand what really brought us to that word and what it really means. But I, much more important than that, I, I really want us to understand what is in us, who is in us, who we really are, and how God wants us to break all sorts of limitations off of our lives so that we may fulfill his callings on our lives. To fulfill what God has called you to do, to fulfill what God wants you to fulfill, he knows it must jump over some fences, move some mountains, kick down some walls, break some barriers. In other words, God is not under an illusion. He knows you are not perfect, and he knows you have limitations. But when he calls you, he has a way of helping you deal with your limitations so that he may use you for his glory. Are you with me? That's why Moses said, I am a stammerer. You can't send me to speak to a nation and as if that's not enough to speak to a heathen king when I can't speak fluently. And God said to him, I already know that. Because he said to him, am I not the one who made the mouth? Are you with me? So I want us to come to that place of understanding the God is really okay with the idea that you have limitations and he can use you in spite of that. Hello? Yes, yes. Are you with me? Yes. And so this is what we're going to do for this month. Just really dive into that and understand this. What if, you know, there was a time I, I attended, a, 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 it was a business uh, meeting and, and uh, uh, a seminar somewhere, a training, and somebody said, uh, uh, okay, for this moment, for this moment, I want everybody to just think, what if time was not a limit? What if finance was not a limit? Yeah. What if, do you get me? Yeah. It's amazing the things you can think when you think of, what if money was not an issue? What if time was not an issue? What if everything was available to you in whichever way you can use? What if you had no weakness? What would you be? And for those three hours, it was awesome. It was feeling like Superman, you know, for three hours. <laughs> Just no limitation. 
But I want us to bring that to the reality that there is some reality in that in the Word of God. Hello? Yeah. That God can bring us into a place where our limitations really stand for nothing. They will not limit us. Amen? Hello? Are you looking forward to that? Yeah? Preach, preach to your neighbor for me. Tell them your limitations will not limit you. <laughs> yeah, preach some more. Say your limitations <laughs> will not limit you. Okay, now that I've introduced what we are going to be focused on this month, let me begin with what I'm going to deal with today. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. You'll be so glad you came. Okay, two people are convinced. You'll be so, so glad you came. I told you every time I bring out the, the, the real Bible, it means there's something powerful happening. This is not the iPad, this is the real Bible. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12. And, and we're going to read the whole chapter, okay? Hebrews chapter 12, I'm going to read the whole chapter. There's blessedness in reading scriptures, how many know that? Amen. Amen. So we're going to read the, the whole chapter of Hebrews chapter 12, and then we're going to go to Luke 17. Let's go, Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And you have forgotten that word of encouragement addresses you as sons. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Verse 7. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more sh should we submit to the father of our spirits and leave? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. 
You agree with that, right? Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. You see where your harvest is? Verse 12. Therefore strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled but rather healed. Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit this blessing, he was rejected. He could bring about no change of mind, though he sought the blessing with tears. Verse 18, you have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire, to darkness, gloom, and storm, to a trumpet blast, or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them, because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all men, to the spirits of the righteous men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than that of elbow. See to it that you do not reject him, therefore, or refuse to listen to and heed to him who is speaking to you now. For if they by they, they mean the Israelites, did not escape when they refused to listen and heed him, who warned them and divinely instructed them on earth. How much less shall we escape if we reject and turn our backs on him who cautions and admonishes us from heaven? Then at Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth, but now he has given a promise. Yet once more I will shake and make tremble not only the earth but also the heavens. Now this expression, yet once more, indicates the final removal and transformation of all that can be shaken. That is of all that which has been created. In order that what cannot be shaken may remain and continue. Verse 28, let us therefore, receiving a kingdom that is firm and stable, which cannot be shaken, offer to God pleasing service and acceptable worship with modesty and pious care and godly fear and all. For our God is indeed a consuming 
fire. Hallelujah. There's blessing in reading scripture like that. You just, just feel like, wow. Let's go to Luke 17. And I'm going to read you two verses there. And then we're going to try and unpack this. Luke 17. I'm going to read verse 21. Verse 20 and verse 21. Luke 17, verse 20 and 21. You there? Yes. Oh, thank you, good It says, once having been asked by the Pharisees, when will the kingdom of God come? Jesus replied, the kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation. Nor will people say, here it is, or there it is. Because the kingdom of God is within you. Amen. Say it after me. The kingdom of God, kingdom of God is, within you. is within you. Hello. Now, the word I want to use today for describing everything I'm going to talk about is this, immeasurable. In the Bible, there's a story in Zechariah, I'm not going there, chapter 2, when Zechariah actually sees a young man in a vision running towards Jerusalem in chapter 2. And when he sees a young man running towards Jerusalem in the vision, he asks the young man, Zechariah is a prophet, he asks the young man, young man, where are you going? And the young man says, I am going to Jerusalem. I'm going to measure its length and its breadth. You with me? Now, whilst he's still in that vision, and this young man says this to him, he looks up and he sees an angel coming. There was two angels. One angel was already speaking to him. Then a, a second angel came and spoke to the other angel and said, Tell that young man, Jerusalem cannot be measured. For God says, I will fill Jerusalem with people from all over the nations. And I myself will become the wall of fire around Jerusalem. Immeasurable. That's just what I want to borrow from that. The young man was going to measure Jerusalem, and God says, Now, nah, you cannot measure what I am about to do. Are you with me? Yes. The truth is, every time God gets added to the equation, things cannot be measured. Because God Himself cannot be measured. That's why you. On your own, people will measure you. But with God, you should know you are immeasurable. Hello? The young man was rushing to go and measure a city. And God says, listen, you can't measure it anymore because I will be the wall of fire around it. And because I become the wall of fire around it, there is no instrument on earth that can measure how wide, how big the city is going to be. Measuring instruments. 
I want to point to you that measures are really limits. Okay? If this young man had gone and had measured Jerusalem, he would have measured according to the units of measurement they had in those days, right? Which might be cubits. In our days, we're using a lot of metric stuff, right? But in those days, it might be cubits, and there are different types of cubits. We're not going to go into that. But so they would have measured, and they would have come back and satisfied to say, we know the size of Jerusalem. But here are the, the, the implications of that, knowing the size. Therefore, we know the amount of people that can stay in Jerusalem. Therefore, we know what Jerusalem can do. When we measure something as human beings, we measure it so that we may master it. What you can't measure, you cannot master. Are you with me? If I tell you, maybe as you're traveling, you know, and, and uh, summer is, is up, as you can see, people are traveling. As you're traveling, you turn up at the, at the airport, and, 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 and you come overpacked, like my wife does. <laughs> all the time, all the time. And they take that label. They say, okay, you've got so much excess baggage. If we're going to put this through, we're going to put this label on. You know that label they put on? The label that says this thing is heavy. <laughs> and when they stick, and, and sometimes you, you will be just one kilo, or just, just one kg above your 23 or your whatever, 24, depending on which airline you're with. And, and you just be one kg above, and they say, take it out. And you say, oh, let me just take it. And they go, if you're going to take this, I'm going to put the label heavy on it. And then it, the bag handlers will do whatever they want with it. Hello? <laughs> oh, they'll leave it. Because it's beyond the health and safety measures for them. Hello? And when they, when they labor it, the reason they are labeling it is so that the people who are handling it may know before they even touch it. Whether they can carry it by themselves or whether they need to use something to carry it. Because weights at a certain amount, you are advised not to go and handle them with your own hands, but to go in and use something. Are you with me? I remember there was a time I, 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 I did a delivery business, and, and I used to deliver pharmaceuticals. And we used to carry them in crates. If you <coughs> now pharmaceuticals are delivered, they're delivered in crates. You know, like green plastic crates, you know. Green, I say green, but they can be blue or yellow. <laughs> and, and, so, and, 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 and we use, we use um, and sometimes the guys in, in, in the warehouse, they will be picking and they will load them and they will load them and they will load them. And all you found, you, you just got them on the conveyor belt and you'll be packing them and loading them. But if it was heavy, they were supposed to label it. But sometimes they just never did it. And so you'll be going on the conveyor belt and you pick the thing and you find it's heavy. It was supposed to be labeled. It wasn't supposed to be sent on the conveyor belt. And you were supposed to go to it using something else. Are you with me? The reason we measure things is so that we may know how to handle it. Is so that we may know how to master it. And God said to this young man, you're not going to measure Jerusalem. Because I'm not leaving it to you. Measures. What am I saying? Measures are truly limits. 
That's what I'm saying. All these measurements can also become your limitations in life. They say to me, this, at this height, I shouldn't be thinking about playing basketball. One of the famous footballers in the world today is, is Lionel Messi, right? And when he was growing up, he had a growth hormone challenge. And when Barcelona bought him, now I'm teaching you about football, I can't believe it. <laughs> when Barcelona bought him, the risk they took is that they, they were told that he has to have growth hormones and he's quite young because they bought him when he was quite young. He was, I think, 12, 14, somewhere there, between that. So he was quite young and they were told, you're taking a risk because this guy might be skilled at 12 but might never grow enough to play the level of football that you're looking for. Measured. Measurements are really, truly limits and limitations. Hello? Limits by which we live life. If you're driving on the motorway, there are some limits by which you, should, you must live life. I'm not saying you do it, <laughs> but they are there, and they're not suggestions. You know that, right? You will find out they're not suggestions. They're limits that people have sat down and put into law that these are the limits by which you must live life. So we're not just saying, oh, it is nice to know that this is 70 kilometers or 70 miles per hour. The same measurement becomes a limit. Hello. I'm taking you somewhere. I'm taking you somewhere so that we understand how we need to break limitations so that God would use us for his glory. So, back to my text. When they asked Jesus, after they have seen him do all these miracles, the Pharisees decide they're going to come and ask Jesus when the kingdom is going to come. Now the question sounds very innocent. It's like they just want to know when the kingdom is going to come. But you see, be very careful when educated people ask you a question. Because educated people usually ask a question because they have a certain train of thought and they're trying to check what you think? The Pharisees, educated people, it's a sect of people that understand the kingdom. They have been dealing with the kingdom. To understand this question, you have to understand the background to this. The Jews were obsessed with the topic of kingdom and Messiah. Two things. The Messiah would come and then the kingdom would come. Different sects, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the other wouldn't seize and couldn't seize. All the other, all of them were obsessed with kingdom. Is the kingdom coming now? Is this the kingdom? When is it going to come? What will it look like? Oh, the kingdom has started there. 
all there. And they would go in different places. And they were obsessed with this topic. And when they came to Jesus, after seeing him do all these things for many, many days, they said, when is the kingdom going to come? What they're doing is they're trying to get him and include him in their conversation. All right, we've seen everything you do, but we really want to know what you think about this. They are trying to break him down to a place where they can actually measure him. Because if they can measure him, they can define him. If they can define him, they can now have mastery over his life. Do you understand this? I don't know whether you've walked into a new place and people begin to ask you many questions and they're asking you. And the questions they're asking you truly is so that they may measure you. They may see the manner of man they're dealing with. They're going to ask you which school you went to. They're going to ask you where you live. And and some people will even ask you which car you drive. Are you with me? And and all they're doing is, is, is try and measure you. They want to find out your postcode so that they may have an idea of who you are. And just measure you. And when they measure you, there is something about human beings. We love definitions. Things must be defined. And Jesus was an enigma to the Pharisees. Because they saw him and, 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 and actually the miracle before this question was when he just found ten lepers. And then they cried to him and he, and he didn't touch them. He just said to them, go show yourselves to the priests. As they are going, they all get healed. And one comes back. And so Jesus cannot be measured. They cannot put him in any box in their brain and say, finally, we know he is this. That's it. It's done. And so now they try and find a topic on which they can either agree with him or disagree with him. Are you with me? And that's what we do to each other all the time. They're trying to measure him. That's what they're doing. Where else do you find the clue for this? In his answer. When he answers, he addresses what they're dealing with. So they said, when is the kingdom going to come? In other words, they're saying, can you add your voice to this argument? As people will ask you about so many social issues nowadays. They want you to add your voice. So be, be careful on, on, on this Facebook Christianity that people are doing nowadays. When somebody posts a controversial topic and then you see, underneath you see 101 Christians answering, arguing, staring. I don't even have words for it. <laughs> it it's, it's, it's crazy. It's, it, it's, it's crazy. Look, look, you might love a debate. Let me advise you. Facebook is not the place. Have good friends that you can have a good debate with. And argue issues. And iron out issues. Facebook is not a place. Facebook is is a place where you don't even know the people you're talking to. And you're arguing with. And you just keep arguing. And anybody given (laughs) some keypad feels very wise. And they type really fast, respond. And you go, respond. (laughs) The thing would never end. 
If you want to debate with me, let's do it face to face. It's nice. Let's have a coffee. Let's sit down. Let's disagree. And let's agree. And you'll be edified out of that. Have you ever come out of a place where you didn't fully agree, but you are edified because of the way you handled the matter? Praise God. I think I should, I thought I should just throw that one in for free. Amen. (laughs) Whoa. So Jesus, in his answer, he reveals to us what they are really asking him. And so in his answer, he answers it this way. He says, the kingdom of God does not come by observation. I remember one day I was in university. And I was told that you can do a scientific experiment in a few different ways. And one of the ways you can do a scientific experiment is by observation. I want you to understand what Jesus is saying. When he says, it does not come by observation. So, 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 so you sit down and you start observing what's happening. And because you have a trained eye, you are measuring what's happening. Hello? He's literally answering by saying the kingdom of God will not be measured by human standards. Your observation will never qualify whether this is the kingdom of God or not. You cannot measure it. So you see the question, the way he's answering it. It does not come by observation. You will not say there it is or there it is or there it is. This is not about you approving that this is the kingdom. That is not. You will not be able to measure the kingdom of God by your natural instruments. And he says, but the kingdom of God is actually within you. So they're asking the question. They don't even know. It is within. The word used there in some translation, it says among you. In some translation, it says within you. Uh, It means all those things together. It's not one or the other. So don't go thinking, oh, does it mean among or does it mean within? It means all those things. It means the kingdom of God is within you and is among you. Are you with me? That's the way he answers. When will the kingdom come? The reason you don't know is because you are using your human measurements to figure it out. It does not come like that, he says. It will only come if you understand it is within you. It has already come and it is within you. It has already come and it is within you. Praise God. Now, once you understand that, this is the very kingdom that cannot be measured. And it is within you. What does that make you? Hmm? This is the kingdom of God that cannot be measured by human standards, cannot be limited. It is unstoppable by any human standards. Therefore, what does that make you? If that is within you, what does that make you? 
So he's saying to the Pharisees, you are erring because you are looking out there to see and measure for yourself and approve a kingdom when you should be looking inside you and see that the immeasurable kingdom of God is actually within you. Are you with me? We, if we understand that just that, that, just that simple principle, we discover that as, 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 as children of God, we have come into a place where we can become anything God wants us to become. Let me put it this way. We have come into a place where we overcome limitations in our lives. We have come into a place where it doesn't matter where you come from, what you don't have. All the measurements of the earth might be measuring you actually in a very negative way. But you have come into a place where the kingdom within you can actually override all those measurements. I want that to really sink in. The kingdom has to override all those measurements. Why? I told you at the beginning. When God gets added to the equation, all limits are off. You cannot measure a city whose war is God. How can we measure a person whose ruler is God? You are immeasurable. You are unlimitable. By virtue of the fact that the kingdom is within you. I need, I need, I need the whole month to really explain this. Because the kingdom is, is, is if, if you understand what the kingdom of God is, let's use like one or two examples that are in the Bible. So you understand what is really within you. One example that is in the Bible, it says the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. There is nothing you seek in life that is outside the circle of these three words I just mentioned. These three words will cover everything in your life. Righteousness has to do with right standing. It has to do with justice. It has to do, are you with me? With God's provision to you. Peace has to do with God's prosperity over your life. Stability of your life. The establishment of, of, of your life in God himself. Peace. Joy, well, you know what that is. Joy has to do, it's, it's deeper. We're not talking about laughter here. We, we're talking about joy. <laughs> it has to do with deliverance, healing, and restoration. Your joy. It's your salvation, this thing. Are you with me? That's what the kingdom of God is. Now, all that Jesus said is within you. It is also written that the kingdom of God, we read it in Hebrews, is unshakable. All that is within you. So if the external world is shaking and trying to destroy you, if you look within you, you have an unshakable kingdom. What does that make you? Unshakable. If we just really understand what Jesus is talking about when he says, it is within you. We will understand 
how strong we are. But perhaps to help us understand, let us use this, this example that is still in the scripture that we read in Hebrews chapter, chapter 12. It's, it, we were warned in Hebrews chapter 12, 16 to 17, do not be like Esau. And I want to use the example of Esau to just explain this and finish, okay? I want to use the example of Esau, the kingdom we have received within us. How does this make us unlimitable people, immeasurable people? People who can do immeasurably more than we are doing even right now. So the Bible warns us in that Hebrews chapter 12, it says, it says, do not let anybody be like Esau. Now, if you read, if you read the, the message translation, it actually says, do not fall into the Esau syndrome. He, he, he coined that phrase, the Esau syndrome. Because a syndrome is, is, is too many. It's, it's not just one problem. There's too many issues. So it becomes a syndrome. Are you with me? So do not, do not be like Esau, is the warning. Why? Let's talk about Esau. Esau is a brother to Jacob. Right? Esau is a son of Isaac. Isaac is the son of Abraham. You with me? These people are royalty. Because the father in heaven said to Abraham, who's Esau's grandfather, God said, surely in blessing, I will bless you. I will multiply you like the sand on the seashore. All the nations of the earth shall call you blessed. He says, in fact, anybody that comes against you, I will destroy them myself. Anybody that blesses you, by virtue of blessing you, they will also be blessed. What is God really giving Abraham? It's a kingdom. What God is giving Abraham is a kingdom. You need to understand that. So, because most of us just say, oh, God blessed Abraham. Like it's just God said some nice words about Abraham. He gave him a kingdom. He's saying, I'm giving you a kingdom. No wonder Abraham began to look for an heir. You don't need an heir unless there's something to inherit. There was a kingdom to inherit. So when Isaac was born, he was a seed of the kingdom. To begin with, you cannot limit Abraham because he received the kingdom from God. The blessing represents the kingdom. Didn't Israel become a kingdom? The blessing that God spoke on Abraham represents a kingdom. Are you with me? And so when God released that blessing, that blessing made Abraham limitless. Anything you add God to begins to be limitless. No wonder God just left him deliberately struggling 25 years so that he he can show him God breaks the limits of time. His wife had a baby at 90. Are you with me? No limits on their lives. Like, no. Isaac, God said to him, I will show you what you have received, young man. I know there is a drought everywhere, but I'm going to cause you to prosper right in this drought. Don't rush. There is no other place that will bless you. I've already given you a place in you that will bless you. 
You have received the kingdom. Sow your seed in drought. And the Bible says he sowed his seed in drought and he waxed great. He became a great man. He became rich. Why? Because they had received the kingdom. So Esau and his brother Jacob are born in this family. Now, did you see it? Now, Esau, by virtue of being the firstborn, naturally, the kingdom was supposed to come to him. He was the one that was supposed to possess the kingdom. He was an heir to the kingdom. Are you with me? By virtue of being the firstborn. And he walked about with a birthright to the kingdom. The same kingdom that made Abraham what he was. The same kingdom that made his father Isaac what he was. He walked about with that birthright. But the Bible says one day when he's coming back, he's very hungry. And he comes back and, uh, and we're told, he tells his brother, can I have something to eat? And his brother is making some soup. Somebody pass me that. His brother is making some soup. I brought some soup so that I may show you. No, take it out. Take it. His brother is making some soup. I want you to understand, this is lentil soup. <laughs> How much do you think it cost me? Yeah? How much do you think it cost Esau? <laughs> His brother was making some soup. Just some soup. And, 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 and his brother says to him, if you want some soup, give me your birthright. Your right to the kingdom. Give it to me. Give me your kingdom. How much did it cost him? The kingdom. <laughs> it cost him the kingdom. How much soup did he eat to be worth a kingdom? The brother says, give me the kingdom. That's what he's saying when he says, give me your birthright. Give me the grace you have received and I'll give you some soup. And Esau said, well, I'm dying anyway, so I don't really care. Let me have the soup. I don't care about the birthright. And we are warned in the Bible because we carry a kingdom that is unshakable, not to be like Esau. And that's where I want to take it and finish there. If we're going to see all these things we're talking about, the kingdom of God is limitless. The kingdom of God is, 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 is immeasurable. The kingdom of God in us makes us impregnable. We can never be people that lose in life when we understand the kingdom of God within us. But if we're going to experience this thing, do not be like Esau. I didn't make that up. That's what it says. Do not be like Esau. What was he like? Three things. Number one, Esau really despised his birthright. Yeah? How did he despise it? By measuring himself according to his needs. 
Now, do you see the warning? I'm not going to preach this. I really just need to say it. Do you see why he's warning us not to be like Esau? Because Esau measured himself against his needs. I am hungry. Therefore, this is who I am. What birthright are you talking about? And we are warned in the word of God. If we're going to see the power of the kingdom within us, the kingdom amongst us, because it is amongst us and it is within us, we've got to understand not to measure ourselves by our needs. Not going about measuring yourself by what you don't have. Don't even call yourself poor. You, you understand? You might not have something, but don't measure yourself by it. I don't know whether you get me. The second way Esau despised his birthright, freely given, just like we have received the kingdom for free. The second way he despised it is by being led by senses all the time. Or to put it in a more technical term, sensory data. You see, as a human being, you live by, you are bombarded with data. That's how you survive. You know, by the time you wake up, you know what you're going to wear because you've received data. You know, nowadays from your phone, if you're like me, you peep through the window and you can guess what it looks like and you receive so much data and you decide what you're going to wear, what time you're going to leave. What you, you're always led by the data you're receiving through your senses. I'm hungry now, so I must eat. And Esau was truly hungry. There's no lie about that. But the problem he has is he's consistently led by sensory data, never spiritual data. He hasn't looked at who he is and what family he belongs to and what it means to have that birthright. He hasn't looked at it. He's just led by his senses. I'm tired, therefore I should sleep. As that doesn't sound as bad, it really doesn't sound bad, but it's that, the fact that he held that far above everything else. Do not be carnally minded. That's what it means. Sensual, just sensual, mere sensual human beings. In comparison to animals, like dogs, they are led only by their senses. Time to bark right now. Let's bark. That's what dogs would do, right? The Bible encourages us to be spiritually discerning. To go beyond just our natural senses. Let me tell you the story. Uh, you know, there's a story circulating, actually. Perhaps you've seen it on, on, uh, on, on, on the internet. Of, the, of, the, of, the, of, the, of a young man that is blind and autistic. He can't even express himself very well when he talks. And he comes on, I think, America's Got Talent. So his mother brings him. Have you seen that? Yes, yes. His mother brings him. For you antisocial people, let me explain to you. Oh. <laughs> antisocial media. <laughs> his mother brings him. 
And the judges are asking, you know, what are you going to do? And even when he speaks, he can't really express himself really well. He's trying to be funny, but he can't really. Because if you're autistic, it means you are also challenged emotionally. You cannot perceive emotions of other people very well. And, and, and you cannot communicate emotions very well. So, so you get, and on top of that, he's blind as well. So when the judges are looking at him, they don't know what he's going to do. Maybe they have an idea what he's going to do. And his mother says, uh, I'm interested in the mother's story. He says, what's going on? And the mother says, uh, you know, this is his challenges, our son, my son. But one day we discovered he could sing. And after that, that's it. He enjoys that and we let him do that. And there you are, you're watching, you're thinking, yeah, he's going to come up with some tune and yeah. you know, sing some song. Oh, great. Yay. It would be nice to him. Just, you know, oh, you know, most people are feeling sorry for him. Yeah. The mother walks, in, walks him to the piano, sits him down. He fills out for the mic. He finds the mic. He sits himself, positions himself on the piano. He can't see it. And then he begins to sing this very emotive song. And after a while, you're left thinking, wow, who needs... You know, eyes are not everything. Hello? You, you, you cannot just depend on your senses in life. What you don't have cannot define you. Are, are you all, are you with me? There is more to you. There are depths and layers to you. Don't be an Esau that says, oh, I'm hungry. Therefore, nothing moves until I eat. You see, for some of you, that means if we're going to see the kingdom of God manifest the way we are seeing it, and God is showing you visions of what he wants to do with you, you've got to learn also, I'm going to use the word go hungry sometimes. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. I'm not even talking about fasting. I'm just talking about you're going to need to learn to endure sometimes. There is value in enduring. We're living with a generation that cannot endure anything. <laughs> I like to ask my children, you know, Zengi comes to me, you know Zengi, Zengi will come to me and he will say, I'm starving at three o'clock. And I said, let, let me talk to you about starving. <laughs> when were you last hungry? You know, because really, our children, I, there's no time when their stomach was empty. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same for most of you. You are hungry, but the truth is you're not starving. They, they, no, we, 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 we live in a country where food is readily available as well. We're eating all the time. We just like eat round the clock. And you know, I'm hungry, but you're snacking on something. I'm hungry. Your stomach has always got food. <laughs> Listen. Learn to endure sometimes. I'm not talking about physical, I'm not talking about even food hunger. Okay, that's fasting, we'll talk about that later. But I'm not talking about that, I'm just talking about enduring. If you're going to see the kingdom come, learn to endure. Not everything has to be your way, Esau. You got to learn to endure. Esau had no discipline. I don't know what his manner of life was like. But he looks like a guy that has no discipline. Just because he's hungry, everything stops. No. You're going to learn to endure. 
Just, just endure. There's something in endurance. If, if you don't learn how to endure, how are you going to pray in the night? How are you going to pray in the morning? How are you going to get in, your prayer, in the prayer hub and pray? If you don't learn to endure, are you with me? I, I, I want to teach this generation how to endure. Because if, if we're not careful, we're going to become a people that are just spending all our lives having soup. Because here is how it works. You go to work, you spend all your hours trying to buy this. This does not cost you pound seventy, as it cost me today. That's not the true cost. Most of you, this is costing you the entire kingdom that God gave you. Because this is keeping you so busy. Just like it did to Esau. And if you don't learn to endure, 30 years of your life, all you will do is work, work, eat, 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 and never see the manifestation of the kingdom. But it starts with endurance. I remember when God spoke to us to say, start, start a ministry. And we started this. And, and I was working in York. And I know I was working in Hope, but I was doing so many 23 pharmacies. You know, I, I was traveling every day and, and hosting a prayer meeting straight. You know, I used to come to church with, with my work tie and straight go into, to, into a prayer meeting and get home about 9 o'clock and get up and be at work by 8 o'clock. Are you with me? If you don't learn to start enduring, would I get tired? Yes. And I don't know why God decided to ask us to start that when we had him. It would have been easier before we had a baby. But he's already come. He's nine months old and we're starting something and our life has already changed. There's a baby. But you endure. If you, learn, if you can't learn to endure, you will not see the kingdom manifest through you. There is a place for endurance. Not everything has to work your way. Three holidays a year, that time will come. But if God is trying to burst something through you, you won't get those three holidays a year to begin with. There is a place for endurance. This has to be preached more and more and more and more nowadays. Amen? I mean, our cars have cruise control, our houses have microwaves. <laughs> we were in Millennium Harvest the other, the other week, and, and, and we were looking for lights, you know, where the, the light switch, where it is. And was it you, Monica? I can't remember who it was. And, and they, they said, no, maybe you just need to clap, and the lights will come on. That's our generation. <laughs> but listen, there's a value to, in enduring. Amen. Now, let me finish with the last one. The last one is Esau. So the first one, no, let me not recap. Okay, the first one, measuring yourself by your needs. The second one, do not be entirely led by your senses. Learn to endure the senses. Yeah, I feel hungry, but God said I must do this. I will still do it. I feel tired, but God has spoken to me to do this. I must do it. Are you with me? Those are the shoulders on which the kingdom of God travels. I can tell you so many stories, you know, but I'll, I'll come back. I need to finish. The last one is then develop a deep appreciation of the kingdom within you. So three things only. If you're going to break the limits and see the kingdom of God function through you, yeah, little things, 
Esau's error. He had no appreciation of the family from which he comes and the blessing that was working in them. If he treated his birthright like this, it means he had no appreciation of Abraham. You, you really need to picture this. As we talk about Abraham, Father Abraham, and, and the scriptures are full of Abraham. God called him his friend. And yet his grandson does not value the birthright. I know. So he has no appreciation of the kingdom within and amongst them. And that's the problem when things come by grace. It was so free, he couldn't understand that he needed to value it. But thank God for his brother. <laughs> you see, his brother lived the prophecy that was prophesied. His brother had the understanding. He was looking for an opportunity on how he can transfer that kingdom on himself. And you can't believe this opportunity is like, it's not even the biggest opportunity in the world. The guy just says, I'm hungry, and he finds, uh huh. Wealth transfer right now. <laughs> the best bargain you can ever get soup. How much did it cost Abraham, uh, I mean Jacob, to get the kingdom? Soup. He bought it with soup. <laughs> How do you know Jacob got the kingdom? When the father blessed him, you do realize, ah, oh, he's actually giving him a kingdom. Because when Isaac begins to bless Jacob, he begins to say, my son shall be a prince among princes. What does that make him? He says, all your brothers will serve you. He says, even the dew of the earth will serve you. It will give you fruit. Oh, he got the kingdom. The kingdom of God is within you. And it makes you immeasurable. Are you with me? And as we walk, let us walk as that Hebrews 12 said. Just get your eyes on Jesus. Don't measure yourself by what you don't have. Endure like Jesus endured the cross. Despising its shame. And appreciate the joy that is set before you. Are you with me? Everything you need is in the kingdom. Let's stand. Everything you need is in the kingdom. Everything I need is in the kingdom. Work as much as you can. But as you work, do not ignore the kingdom within you. Because everything you need is in the kingdom. Did somebody get something? Yeah? yeah? Okay, it's custom. I just want us to take a moment and just pray. And we're going to finish. That, that's it. I'm, I'm not going to have ministry time. I'm not going to do any of that today. I just, I'm going to finish just there. You know? But I want us to just take a moment and just pray.